Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. And this is our first Sunday at Randolph Elementary, so we made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's been a lot that's been unusual about this Sunday, but this would already be one of the more unusual Sundays of the church year, because this is one of these Sundays where the church is sort of moving in one direction and everything around us is moving in another. Because you might notice by the color white and by this image of Jesus being born and even by the songs we're singing that here in the church, it's still Christmas. So even though outside these walls, people are putting their decorations away and turning Mariah Carey off and getting ready to move on those New Year's resolutions, my kids are getting ready to go back to school, grown-ups are getting ready to go back to work. All this stuff is ready to move on. And yet the church stands here resolutely, rather stubbornly, two whole Sundays after and says, no, it is still Christmas. And I think that's probably good news to the kids in the room or on Zoom. So I'll say it again. Kids, it is still Christmas. And you have my full permission to tell your parents that. Like if they start saying, you know, it's time to start going to bed on time, to stop eating candy canes, we're going to put the tree on the curb, you can say no. Amy said, it's still Christmas. And it is. And so uh, while I'm talking for the next few minutes, kids, if you want to revel in the fact that it is still Christmas, I invite you to draw something or write something, maybe write a poem, something about what you love about Christmas. And for the rest of us, according to the wisdom of our church calendar and our tradition, it really is still Christmas. Christmas is this 12-day season that ends on January 6th the day we call Epiphany, the day when we remember the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus that David just read to us. But we're not there yet. We're solidly still in the season where the main thing we are thinking about and marveling at is the incarnation of Christ, the enfleshment of God. It's where God says loud and clear in the person of Jesus that he is with us and for us, the end. And on Christmas Day, when some of us worship together on Zoom, one of the scriptures that we read was Revelation 21.3, which said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with people. Or the way the message translation puts it, it says, Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood and made his home with men and women. That is the incarnation. That is the Christmas reality that we are celebrating to the full for these 12 days, and really that we're all celebrating for the rest of our lives. And it's also the reality that this church is named for, incarnation. Now, four or five years ago, when Liz and I were just starting to pray and dream and talk about this church, there was a lot that we didn't know but one thing that we did know was that we wanted this to be a church where people would experience God with them and for them. A God in flesh and blood, a God with hands and feet, a God who moves toward people, not away from them. A God whose presence and love and grace is not just a nice idea, but something tangible, a reality in this community of people. 
And the three words that we came up with to describe the mission of this church, worship and welcome and wonder, they all flow out of the incarnation because we all worship at the feet of the incarnate Jesus with the shepherds and the angels and the magi every week. And then because God has welcomed us into his dwelling place, we extend welcome. We set a big table and we invite all kinds of people. And then because the incarnation is this moment that reverberates through the cosmos, this is where eternity and time meet, where infinity and finitude meet, where heaven meets earth and God meets man. And so we wonder at this marvelous thing that has happened. And everywhere we catch glimpses of this incarnation inbreaking, we wonder, we delight, we marvel at God's beauty and creativity in the world. It's all here in the incarnation. And today's scriptures help us step into this incarnation story, starting thousands of years ago, kind of finding our place in the story of this weary world that has been waiting for incarnation for such a long time. So first, Weber read from the prophet Jeremiah, who was speaking to people in exile about almost 3,000 years ago. He was promising that someday God would gather them all back together from the farthest parts of the earth, the blind and the lame, women in labor, women with children, people who are weeping, people who are stumbling, people who have wandered really far, who've been scattered and isolated. God was going to pull them all into his flock. He was going to make his dwelling with them and be their good shepherd. He would tend them. It's this prophecy that captures that exile longing to be safely at home in the place where God is unquestioningly with us and for us. And then the psalmist writes a couple hundred years after that, what Nicole and David read, probably after the exiles had returned home, probably after their temple had been rebuilt as a place of worship. So when the psalmist talks about wanting to go to God's house and to his dwelling place, he's talking about the temple. And the temple, particularly the innermost part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, that was the place where heaven and earth met. That was the place where God took up residence and made his dwelling with people. Now, only the Jewish high priest could go there, and only one day a year, but that was where God dwelled. And so this psalmist, even though the temple and especially the Holy of Holies is off limits to him, he still wants to get as close as he can. He will settle for being in the outer courts, even just hanging out in the doorway. And he actually expresses this sort of envy for the sparrows and the swallows who can fly in and make their nests on the altar. These birds that can get closer to where God is than he will ever be able to. And so he's, even though he's not a sparrow, he's not a priest, he can't get in. He will kind of take what he can get. And he talks about the pilgrimages that he makes to the temple and his love for God and his longing to be where God dwells, his desire to be in God's presence, they transform that pilgrimage for him. 
Every step takes him closer to God so that even when he passes through what he calls a valley of misery, it becomes this place of refreshing and abundance. And then in today's gospel story, we continue to see everything is moving toward God's dwelling place. Here, just like the swallows and the sparrows, more of creation is kind of instinctively moving to where God is. This star behaving in a really unstar-like way leads the Magi on this pilgrimage to the dwelling place of God, to this humble spot. And when the Magi get there, they kneel in the dirt. They worship this toddler king. They open up their treasures and they give him these mysterious gifts that hint at who this child might be, a king, a sacrifice, God. And here in the dirt, they find themselves face to face with God in human flesh. They are in the presence of the incarnate God. They are in the Holy of Holies. They are in this place where heaven and earth meet, where God has taken up residence with men. But it's not some glittering temple. It's this poor place, a dusty place, somewhere that's not much to look at. Because God chooses to take up his dwelling in human frailty and human need and human vulnerability. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with his people. And look, look, God has moved into this Bethlehem neighborhood and made his home with men and women and magi. After all these years, all these years of people longing and trying to get close to God, whether they're exiled from home, whether they're making pilgrimage to the temple, here in the incarnation, God has moved close to them. God has made his dwelling with the people. And we see here, it's not just with Jewish people. It's not just with one type of person. Because the Magi were Gentiles. They were foreigners. In the incarnation, the presence of God and the holiness of God is always moving outward. It's always crossing and extending those boundaries. It's always moving toward people. And God is always decisively with us and for us. He is always healing and restoring and forgiving and doing whatever it takes so that we can understand who he is and so we are prepared to dwell with him. So here we all are. We are on the cusp of another year, another pandemic year, and I feel kind of weary and anxious at the thought of it. And reading this familiar story and singing these Christmas songs and saying again, it's still Christmas, the incarnation still matters, it feels hard. I wonder where you find yourself in these stories today. You might feel more like those exiles that Jeremiah was speaking to. You might feel like you have wandered far you might feel really isolated or scattered or confused. You might be longing for your good shepherd to gather you and tend to you. Or you might feel like the psalmist really longing to be in the presence of God, but it is so far away 
and there is this valley of misery between you. And it might sound awfully nice to just be a sparrow, to just curl up in a nest on his altar. One of the things that really struck me in those Advent testimonies that people shared during the four Sundays of Advent was that there was so much weariness, so much grief and disappointment and doubt. And if that's you, and it's so often me, the incarnation tells us again this morning the dwelling place of God is with people. This thing that the stars and the sparrows and the pilgrims and the exiles and the magi and the shepherds that they all sought, the presence of God is with us. It is already here. God wants to take up residence right in our fragility and our weakness and our weariness. It's not up to us to pull ourselves together and to get ourselves to where God is over there. God has already come to us. And this year, we as a church are holding on to that incarnation reality in a new way because we've moved into this building. And our former worship space wasn't exactly a glittering temple, but if you looked past the leaky ceilings and a couple of blemishes here and there, it was a beautiful, reverential churchy sort of temple-ish space. It had stained glass and pews. It was lovely. It's the sort of place you expect to find God. And now we're here in an elementary school gym. It's a humble place. It's not a place that's set aside from ordinary life. It's a place where life happens. It is bursting with life every Monday through Friday. It's filled to the brim with people who might be more like Magi or exiles, people who have come from really far away and all walks of life. But our name and this season, the incarnation, witnesses to the reality that God is here. The dwelling place of God is with Randolph Elementary. Look, look, God has moved into this neighborhood. God is already here. He is with us and for us right here, wherever we find ourselves, whatever we bring in. And so our prayer today and this year for our church and for each one of us is that we would go deeper into that incarnation reality this year, that we would know more of God's dwelling place with us, that we would receive more of the goodness that God has for us, and that we would welcome Magi here, people who are somewhere on a journey looking for Jesus, hoping to find him. So let's pray, and then we'll have a time of silence. Father, we worship you, and we wonder at your incarnation we welcome you here with us, and we ask that we would welcome all kinds of people. Thank you that you have made your dwelling place with us. Amen.